in this 161st episode entitled Even Faster, Even Further, Even Fitter. We have questions on Ironman fueling, stacking gains, wheels, transitions, the pressures of long distance racing and much, much more. Welcome to the 10th year of the Coach Joe Beer Multisport Podcast for triathletes, duathletes, sportive riders, road racers, time trialists, runners, mountain bikers, and all fitness enthusiasts. Whatever your distance and whatever your event, this podcast aims to make you smarter and faster. We are supported by Nopin, suppliers of club, custom and aero clothing and other triathlon and cycling apparel, all made in Devon. Innovators of the Speed Pocket in two versions, retrofitted into your skin suits and also the Speed Belt for triathletes and duathletes. Visit nopinswithaz.com. Also supported by southforkracing.co.uk for all your biking needs with great brands such as Syncross, Lesign, Continental, Tax, Scott, Park Tools, Rota, Whisper, Cyclops. I'm looking around the room now. Uh, all of it basically. Visit southforkracing.co.uk. <laughs> I'm Coach Joe Beer, and I'm joined once again by Martin Crocker, VIP of SFR. Evening. We are recording this in the evening, by the way. A beautiful evening. Beautiful. Beautiful summer's evening. It is beautiful. Uh, Right. I just want to rewind. A few months ago, I said about, you know, we've got these things that we'd so like to tell you, and sometimes you can, you know insinuating people like oh you just say that but no no uh there was obviously various media things going on since we last recorded uh specifically about the Giro specifically about the stage that Chris Froome um did his uh 80k attack and he used what was termed on the feeding regime rocket fuel which is now out there it's a known about product it's called beta fuel and this is what i knew about i'm gonna back date i reckon to last november so i knew about it because somebody i was coaching was using it and so i knew about this polymer and it's a it's a um, ph neutral very high composition um, very high composition no. very high density carbohydrate so you take your 500 milliliters of water you can put 84 grams in there which you try putting 84 grams of normal glucose into something like that but 84 grams drink it tastes very light and in goes a high quantity you don't have to drink 84 grams but you imagine if you just you know made up a 250 ml drink of that and you had 40 grams in there it's a small amount but to get high carbs and that was one of those things that i didn't even say to you but that was one of those things where i said it's coming out um, and i knew because of what it would do with feeding regimes and the quantity you need to drink and possibly even the ease with which you can take on board carbohydrates in loading in recovery just basically you can take high carbs. So that was one of those things that we can rewind now and retrospectively say, 
that was one of those, I tell you what, but I can't tell you what. So is this in reference to something that we have seen in the Giro? Yes, that was that stage when Chris Froome had his uh, attack. Um, you could also say that other other riders were defensive. I'm not going to go into the whys, the wherefores, and the you know, the uh, the, the the reasons why people you know can um, dismiss or raise their eyebrows. But uh, 80k isn't that far for somebody to make a small amount of time on the rest of the group, particularly if they don't attack and start looking at one another, and particularly if other riders haven't got their feeding because other riders in the Giro were at a really high level and came down quickly. So you could turn that around and go, oh, why have they suddenly slowed down? So feeding is the key and beta fuel was a key part of that day, as was the positioning of multiple people giving out small amounts of fuel. Okay, so with so 84 grams, you said? Yes, okay. in half a litre. So in equivalent, that's... Eighty-four grams. Four, that's four, four gels. Four gels. Yeah, yeah four gels. Isn't it? Yeah. 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 So, but you imagine trying to bolt four gels one after another. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I've done. I've done another podcast. Uh, you, what you've cheated on me? <laughs> I've cheated on you. Uh, there's one that the the Guardian support. Uh, I can always put a link out. But when I was up in London recently, I got asked to do an interview about about the feeding and stuff like that. And I said in there, and I'll say it again, that in 19, I'm going to say 89, oh might be 90, Lord. yeah, ages ago, ages ago, we started getting, when I was down at West Sussex Institute of Higher Education, which is now part of, uh, I think it's called University Chichester. We got this glucose polymer. It was in boxes. It came from the hospital. It was what they were feeding basically people that they could get carbohydrate into them. And this was the stuff that um, the coach of Chris Boardman at the time said, this is the way to get fuel in. This is much better than what people are trying to do at the moment. And started using it. And I started noticing when I was training with people when I came back to Bath, they were still using much sort of like uh, much uh, earlier versions of things, trying to eat loads of bananas and stuff like that. And that was a bit of a game changer. That's the first time glucose polymers were taken from a medical background and bought in. You used to buy this tub. I think it's like five kilos or 20 quid, <laughs> you know. But it's, like, it's real like very, you know, no special lab label in it. It just said Maxi Jewel. And it was, yeah, it was just, you got it, you put it into, uh, into water. There wasn't that much electrolytes because it was all about energy. So you had to watch how high you could mix it. But it was still much better than anything else that was around. And, and that was a game changer because from that other products, particularly things like um, PSP, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, PSP22, which is what right. yeah. Science and Sport invented, which was a 22-chain polymer, which meant you could get even more across the gut. So these things do happen. And there are other food technologies and things that are happening now that in one to two years, we're going to say, oh, what, you can do that with that particular food stuff? So this beta fuel and that scenario, and what I knew about and how this other person who I was training was finding it, to me it was just like, yeah, this is just a step ahead of what we thought was possible up to now. And I just think it's very easy to dismiss things, but we can see the science of, of improving, particularly in long distance multi-day events, is about getting the feeding right. Because if you get that wrong, 
you could see that Simon Yates went backwards. Well, he was as good as 10 men for the first, what, two and a bit weeks. And then it suddenly went pop. And at that point, it doesn't matter if you've been the fittest guy. If you start to go backwards because you cannot fuel enough and you literally start, you know, losing the pedals, which we all have, then right there is the, is the pinch point. And it's an offset, isn't it? You're constantly <clears throat> fighting an offset yeah. of, of that. So with reference to that, um, obviously, we're, we're allowed to, but everybody knows who Sky is sponsored by nutrition wise anyway, aren't they? Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, but when will that be released then? Will that be released to, to the general public or? Well, by the time this has come out, it's already, it's already going out for um, at this stage, which we are the 6th of July. There is a, um, it's like a, Please can I try some type oh, sign okay. up point yeah, yeah, yeah. At, right. at Science and Sports so people can sign up and then they'll start trickling it out. The actual full blown release, I don't know when it will totally go um, live. Don't know that, but it's it's you know it's not like it's a secret. You've seen some sachets. I've showed yeah. it to you. I've been using it. Um, I've even trickled it out to a couple of athletes that have been in scenarios where I think I don't need it right now. I'll give them a sachet and see what they think of it. So it's out there. Good. That was only meant to be a small piece at the no, beginning. No, no, You've blown it all out of proportion. That's even, that's even better. Well, funny enough, we were talking that, uh, about it just before we, yeah. we we kind of started recording, so it's quite nice to kind of hear it from the <laughs> horse's mouth. <laughs> And you've been racing. Sorry. You've been racing. We, we've all been racing. You've been racing. All of us. Tell us. All of us have been yeah, racing. Come on, tell us. Tell us. Really mountain biking. Yeah. Mountain bike riding. Did I hear a first? No. Oh, no, you did not. Okay. <laughs> no, you did not. So, oh, but never mind. It's getting there. Oh, I thought it's getting there. What about your racing? Day, oh, it's just going all right. So, Actually, talking of racing, talking of racing, we had the legend Nick Craig here, didn't we? We did indeed. Yes. Yeah. Down here for. Uh, it was for the Scott Marathon, which was right. on Exmoor. Okay, so, uh, tell people what the Scott Marathon is. Cause so basically, uh, Scott, uh, in conjunction with um, with an events company, run um, marathon events, so long distance uh, off road riding. Um, it's like the sportive of mountain biking, yeah, isn't it? And, and yeah. for, for every every age, every ability, uh, they do something like a twenty five k, a fifty k, seventy five k, hundred k. You know, most of it is 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 off road through you know some of the loveliest parts of the country. Mm. So we were very lucky for the guys to come down and do it up on up on Exmoor. So um, and yeah, Nick was down um, yeah. with uh, with his good lady, so um, with Sarah, and it was nice to see nice to see him. And, and have a bit of a chat because I saw some pictures that looked really great and it's probably one of those things that maybe some people that think that you know it's all about you know, maybe you know, downhill or full on cross country racing don't realise there's these kind of like in between events that are much more you know they are they are virtually off road sportive so he said there isn't really a winner type thing you know no, but you can, you can take it as like sportive you can take it as serious as you want if that's your yeah. race then that's your race you know yeah. if it's if it's something that you want to do to fill a gap yeah. Or maybe fill a void. I always say fill a void in your life. Then, um, then yeah, it's there. But if you go on to if you put into Google Scott Marathon um, events, and then that will come up with a whole 2018 uh, kind of roster of events. So very, very good indeed. Just an update. We've had a or well, Anne and a review from uh, Paul. We're up to um, 67 reviews right now, of which I think we've got something like 57 of them are five stars which is which is nice thank you thank yeah, you very which much which is nice um i was going to read his review but it's uh, it's up on the uh, the twitter feed so read it read his review it's up there uh let's go into questions 
first question, star question. This uh, this person, uh, Dave, uh, has already received his book, actually. I've sent it so quickly. We've taken so long to get round to answering <laughs> it. He's had his book about a month before we've even entered... Uh, Entered his, um, his, his, or entered our words of wisdom to his question. So his question was, uh, thank you both yourself and Crocker for taking so much time to answer each of my questions. Okay, uh, so we had other questions and now he's sort of pitching in again. You said you uh, were interested to know what mistakes I made in my nutrition at my last half Ironman. Um, it's embarrassing to admit, but I was a dumbass and didn't properly read what was being offered as on-course nutrition. I brought a different product from what was being offered, uh, both from Powerbar, just a different product, um, and ended up trying to consume 100 or more grams per hour on the bike when I'd been practicing the 60. Uh, this resulted in me getting sick on the run because my stomach just shut down and there was, uh, and there was only one way the nutrition was coming out, and that was upwards. Uh, I'm quite happy it wasn't the other direction. In relation to nutrition, you spoke about Ironman switching for power bar to Enervit. I'm affected by this, and the biggest problem I'm facing is that I cannot find it anywhere online. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, I've tried shops, listed it on websites, um, but uh, I think I've managed to track it down. I just need to get to the shop and have one last go. It doesn't work, then I will have to carry my own nutrition. I'm doing Ironman 7.3 uh, Rappersville. Uh, I'm Irish, but I'm living in Switzerland. Uh, and this, this is back in June when he was doing it. Um, I'd already bought tons of Powerball products, but it's just, you know, I'm gonna use it for races. Um, I must keep an eye out um, for your book. And I've said to him subsequently, we will send you a book. Um, but he said, I look forward to the podcast. I hope you guys don't uh, give me too much of a hard time for being a dumbass. After all, mistakes and failures are all part of the learning process. So we had a you know previous um, question from Dave, but his his um, extra little bit was, you know, what do you do in these scenarios? And I said, well, for Iron Man, you, you find it very difficult to be fully contained and to carry everything that you need. Some people will take a standard 750ml bottle and then they'll get loads of gels and they'll squeeze them in and that will be their full energy supply and they'll work out uh, what a gel is and squirt a bit in and then you can always get water from the aid stations, that's the easy bit. If you don't get on with the carb drink or you're not sure how many carbs are in it because it's mixed slightly differently then of course you have to start making calculations how, how sweet is that was that enough and then people start getting into all manner of, of over calculations under calculations and in Dave's case he, he sort of you know, got it wrong and over 100 grams per hour meant he was um, he was getting sick so I think part of the scenario was there had been this change of supporting uh, brands for the Ironman races. There's invariably different brands. There's a different brand for like the ITU uh, long course championships is coming up in a couple of weeks time. There's loads of different brands at loads of different events. And I think you have to find your, uh, you have to find your way of working around it. Can you get on with anything and you're savvy enough to be able to make that calculation? Or do you always have to have your stuff and therefore you work out, do you know what, I can put you know, five hours, two gels an hour, so 10 gels in a bottle and then solids in between, okay? And then you just work on the basis that that bottle, that one bottle, and I'm holding one in my hand right now, that one bottle is your real energy supply. And you grab water and you're fine. And I think in Dave's case, 
he was sort of forced into a, you know a corner a bit about how to do racing on the fly but you sometimes do have to make things a little bit up as you go along as long as you know roughly what is what but it's when people grab something perhaps in a panic perhaps without realizing it whack down two gels in one go and thought they'd only had part of one then a bit later oh i'll have more i'll have more and they get into trouble and i think you should have this running clock that says okay every 15 minutes or every 20 minutes i need x amount and if it's 15 grams if it's 20 grams that's not much it's quite a small amount and i think he got into trouble by maybe just miscalculating and then in the panic people often over consume you know they take too much in but it's, it's more common I mean, Joe, Joe will correct me, but Dave, I think it's more common for people to overdo their nutrition once you're into a situation where you maybe get caught and really where you, you're, you're racing, this is your main event, you get caught up in it. And I think you sometimes think, God, I, the, the worst fear is not completing, isn't it? Yeah. It's running out of energy, yeah. it's bonking. But what happens and it goes the other way and you start to overconsume, mm. And then, of course, you get the stomach upset, you know, whether it's one way or the other. Mm. Um, and once you have that sickness, you're in trouble because yeah. you've lost a lot of fluid. Yeah, and, and I, I think sometimes you need like a little failsafe, a reset maybe. And <laughs> Which he did. He yeah. pressed reset and up it came. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think sometimes if you go, right, I don't know whether I've gone off plan with this, what do I need to do? Normally get to a feed station and go, try and do your math while you're getting there and just go, oh, I need three more gels to complete this or four yeah. more gels to or, or I think I've taken carbs I just have liquid yeah that's and it. then if you start to notice energy drops but at least your stomach's empty okay I need to now go back on the carbs the worst you can do is think I haven't taken enough carbs and start to over oh, oh, yeah because if you drop if you drop in energy you can always get out of that by thinking right I do need to take a gel but if you notice you're taking stuff in and it starts to back up in your stomach the thing is it can get so it can get so distraught that it starts dragging in water into the gut and then if it's just too concentrated then it just says right evacuate evacuate <laughs> and um that um that that calculation of uh that calculation of grams i think that's what you should be doing in training you, know, you should be practicing it and, and, and dave it. dave's brilliant because dave's actually gone I don't know why I did it. Yeah. Because he's done it in training. So knowing that, that 60 grams works in training and then, like you said, reverse, yeah. it, it's something that we have all done and we've either gone, I'm, I'm, I'm better on 60 grams, and then you've gone too far, the you know, you've either gone less or more, though in our reckon you could survive on, unless you can't, uh, or you haven't, I should say. Yeah. Um, but we, we, have, we have all done it, but you do get to a race scenario where you panic a little bit and go, Oh, I'm going to need more. I think I'm going to need more. Yeah, yeah. And then you start kind of piling it in, or, or you know, you change completely what you were going to do yeah. whilst you were kind of sat in the swim, just getting ready to go, and mm. then everything goes out the window. And then you know, you need like a reset. I'm pretty sure. And, and the plan, the plan, if it's if it's done in training, I try and push people up to near the maximum <clears throat> and see what they can't tolerate. Also, see, you know, okay, if you if you try and get by on less which is you know, the person in training that never seems to use carbs and then wonders why they, they get very tired, the sessions aren't quite going right. And then you look at what they're doing and they're literally doing, I don't know, you know, 25 grams an hour, you know, 25 grams an hour. They'll keep their blood sugar up, but the moment they have any hardship, they're, they're unfortunately going into a, a negative calorie deficit. So I think 
partly it's a reminder to all of us that we need to try things that we are possibly going to have to use on the day of the event or days of the event. Also find out, you know, are you very, very sensitive uh, or do just, you're not sensitive. You could, you, could, you could eat a rhinoceros and still say, I think I'm all right. No, there's, there's just some people that they're very sensitive, but part of that I think is in their head that they haven't tried it and they preempt having things. We go, oh, I'm not sure about this, not sure about this. Look, it's probably sugar. It's probably mixed in with electrolytes. Try it. And sometimes they've tried stuff and gone, actually, that's all right. Now we have differences in in flavours, we have differences in in things that give us a real, I think give us a real, um, like, kind of psychological boost. You know, certain flavours give you a lift. Other flavours are like, okay, it's sweet, okay, if I have to have it. And as you get more fatigued, as you start to get into the mundane part of it, people just get bored. And maybe that alarm on their Garmin or whatever just goes, you need to feed, you need to feed. And they sometimes say, yeah, I missed one. I just kind of got a bit bored of it. It's like, you can't. Yeah. You know, you can't miss it. You need to practice it. And in training, that's part of the most important thing that I get people to write down. And, and they, you know, they, they'll, they'll be annoyed and then realise why. And I'm saying, how many grams per hour? Oh, I don't really know. Well, that's the key thing. Because if you know how many watts, what your heart rate is, how far you went, we can work out your calorie expenditure what we don't know is how much you took in and unless it's a specific fasted or, or deficit session that we're doing most sessions you're practicing for race day so you should know so if you look at your bottles or your back pockets or whatever you should know particularly we're talking mostly bike sessions because of their duration but it can be some of the longer run sessions people have to plan this but if you plan it and i use the acronym test it try everything several times in training all right and that just gets you thinking, I've got to test it, I've got to test it right. I know it's expensive, you've got to buy it, you've got to mix it, and don't scrimp. If it says three scoops, it's three scoops. If it says one gel every 20 minutes for your body weight, that's what you do. And amazingly, people do it and go, God, I felt really good on that session. It's like, yeah, why was that? Because you kept carbs going in. Once you slow down and fats have to take a greater part of the workload well they can only take so much so your workload has to therefore drop you can't supply so much from carbohydrate and if you try it if you practice enough times i think you can you can get it and you can work out your parameters you can work out you know your you know if you get into trouble your two gels in your back pocket can get you miraculously back into the game and start thinking better we start thinking better you'll make the next set of decisions better but also with that you know dave has Dave has made the mistakes, so you know you guys don't have to make the mistakes. But you know you need someone to make this—I I wouldn't say bold statement, but just to make this mistake and voice it for you to go. All oh, right, yeah, they are right. Also, do a bit of your homework. You should know the event. Um, you should know the nutrition support. Is it something you get on with? Is it something you don't get on with? If that's the case, then you need to, you know, yeah, you need to work around it. It's something that you need to do your homework on. Um, and like I said, you know, the good thing is, is you've got people like Dave who have made this mistake that 
are quite happy for us to to kind of air his mistake um, and it's a mistake that will be made time yeah. and time yeah, again yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but just also stay on top of your your admin as far as knowing the event yep. you know, know, know your enemy pretty yep. much so. even today I had a conversation with somebody who's doing the attempt to tour which is this weekend so it'll be after this podcast comes out and we were talking about the route the feeding points and working out you know this this is this is where it's going to be it's going to be at the top of here it's going to be this you know roughly this many you know minutes hours into it and you start realizing that the 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 key is if you don't know where those are and you're really in trouble and we found out that there was a it's about a reckon 45 kilometer point okay where it's between about 90 and 140 to 150k there's just no more feeds, okay? There's been one at the bottom of the second uh, climb, and there's one just before the start of the third. But there's this middle part that suddenly you've had it quite regular, and then there's this, it's, I reckon it's going to be almost 50K of no feeding, which means, okay, so that's 30 miles in the middle part of a 110 mile uh, ride. So that's pretty critical to note because at the point just after or just before 100k you've really got to be stocked up because you've got 30 miles now and you you don't want to go into a deficit there's not much climbing so you can carry more and you may as well get it in for the last part which is effectively you know two more one uh i think they're both uh i don't think they're i think the oars categories before that so the two cat one climbs towards the end but it's that sort of detail that at least if you know the barest part of that you just know okay that 90k feed if i need to stop and really pack a bit more on i will because i'm better to eat for the next 30 miles and be ready than to under eat and pop that would be different for an ironman that would be different for uk sportive it'd be different for um some of the people i work with like to do you know 100 mile um ultra runs and stuff all these things have completely different parameters of feeding what they consider to be actually adequate you know some events are barely adequate and yet in Ironmans they expect to have everything laid out everything delivered in a certain flavour at a certain frequency but also again the knowing your enemy from that point of view knowing you know even simple GPX files that you can download onto your computer to look at having a look at them going oh I know what the course is like anyway they might have moved the feed stations yeah. I did it last year they might have moved the feed station and especially that's the worst case scenario coming off a climb coming down maybe into the valley road and then you having to stock up on your food and going oh actually I feel alright because I've, I've done yeah. the climb yeah. and, and I've dropped down and I've cooled down maybe and, yeah. and, and heart rate's dropped stock up get ready for the next two because the next two are going to be the ones that will kick you in the teeth pretty absolutely. much so. absolutely so let's, let's all remember try stuff in training don't don't think unless you're doing very short races that somehow you know you're going to scrimp and, and ignore nutrition it highlights back to that original point about this you know this 80k attack and why do riders blow up why do athletes blow up why did uh uh langer in the ironman last year at you know 20 it was either mile 25 and a half or getting near mile 
know, virtually virtually finishing the Kona Ironman, and he hits that aid station, and he's out in front, and he's you know he's on course for a potentially course record, which he did get. But he hits that aid station and feeds like a man that's possessed, like he's stolen it. Yeah. yeah, because he's not thinking, oh, mile to go. Oh no, 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 I don't want any more nutrition. That's calories. I just want to watch my weight. You know, he's going at this point. If it goes belly up and you're near the end, it can boom. just go yeah. boom. And that's the thing: as these events go on. It becomes more critical to get it right because anybody can do the first hour of any event quite well. It's actually the first hour you're eating for the second hour, the second hour you're eating for the third hour, and so forth. And, and it was really interesting to see him. And he was just like whack, whack, whack. You think he's the fastest guy. He's out in front. He's he's you know he's a world class athlete, but he's still dependent on whacking that stuff down. And when it's gone wrong, and you see the, you know, particularly in that race, you see the people crawling down, and there's been, you know, head to heads, and it's when people have got it wrong. And you give somebody fuel, and they can keep going. Don't give them enough fuel, and they go pop. And I think if we remember that we are, you know, we are an engine, we cannot just use one fuel. We've got dual fuel, and we need to always think that we might be doing a fat burning session, but we still need some carbs. We don't want to go too ultra low carb because that can. That can often, you can get through events, but I tell you what, it often means that you're going to take a long time. If you want to be out there for a very long time, great, you know, go go as a fat burner and just cruise your way around and take as long as you want to get in the cutoff. But it's not, most people are doing it as fast as they can, which means they need carbs. But great question, Dave. Thank you for your, well, your question part two and, and for your honesty. And the way to learn is to acknowledge the mistakes. If people pretend that it hasn't happened to them, and I know that I, you know, I, I have had some very, very suspect times when I've popped, but it, it's it's that I've got to keep the fueling right. And if it goes pop, some people just fade a bit. I just hit the floor. I just hit the floor, bang. And that, that is probably a blood sugar dynamic. But others sort of get away with it and think, oh, that's okay, I've got away with it. No, you don't want to get away with it because on the point that it really starts to go wrong, it's quite dangerous. And it's also not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to see who, you know, who can blow up or who can get by with using the least fuel. There's no, exactly there's no race, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, as far as I know, there's no race to say, right, we're going to see how far you can go on water. Actually, what they're trying to, you know, do is, is provide you with products, is to tell you what they are. There are races that show you the, um, you know, they show you even how it's going to be laid out at aid station. They often tell you the sponsor. They often... Uh, even even give you you know an idea as to we recommend this amount of products in the case that Dave was saying there was obviously a change of sponsor halfway through the season but great question we all need to remember it and um, thank you Dave first time is a mistake second time is a habit moving on question two stacking improvements Ooh. hi Joan Crockett we have had a significant we oh, sorry I'll start again this is a problem we have seen significant improvements in recent years in frame, helmet, wheel, tyre and tri-suit aerodynamics that either individually or when combined have all contributed to drag reduction. Whilst there will continue to be improvements in all these, they are likely to be small in comparison to recent gains and take significant investment, which in turn means high cost of the triathlete. What do you think will be the next focus area explored where triathletes might expect to see improvements that can be stacked, layered on top of all the other recent improvements? Hope that makes sense, Mark. Okay. Good question, actually. Yeah, because 
we we do you know we always assume that you know things are, are going forwards we've got around us now you know some some certainly aero road bikes we've got some uh, road bikes with discs we've got some quite lightweight um you know very racy probably break the uci limit type bikes and i think you can almost imagine that the um i i think now what we what what's going to happen the next the next two three years they will just capitalize on what what's happened so yeah. far what, yeah. what has been developed so far yeah um things i, I don't know whether we can unless a law uh, there is a law rule, change rule change, rule yeah. change sorry yeah. Yeah. unless there's a rule change i don't see there being any advancement on <clears throat> on aero personally now people are riding like there's the you know the ventum is the uh, Iron Man bike, so that's a very you know extraordinary looking bike compared to most. But most people like a conventional looking bike, um, and the improvements we've seen probably that you know the next improvements are, are more integration, so that things like your bars, your gels, your CO2 canisters, anything that can be put out of the way will start to be put into top tube boxes. They are only going to get bigger and longer so that we'll see more things going across the top tube. And then you've got really the the fact that I suppose even with the best equipment out there, there's still lots of people that need to be set up properly. And having done somebody this week, and I and I was I was horrified that they said I've had I've had two bike fits, and they are a, a relatively not a brand new client though. We've been working for quite a lot of months, but we said, well, let's let's just come and look at this. I want to see this in the flesh. I know some people have sort of done a bike fit, but I tell you what, it, it, it was very very wrong. And to me, it was a great bike. You saw it, nice yeah. bike, looked really good. And it's like, ah, nice bike, nice bike. But if you put the person on it wrong, some of the biggest improvements actually come from stuff that has nothing to do with changing the equipment. It has to make sure that the human equipment interface is better. And that's probably going to happen, okay, we're focusing, we're thinking bike, but that will happen more with wetsuits and working out what works for people, actually working out how shoes best interact with people, though it's probably a very, very small gain. But with bikes, what we're seeing is more and more things integrated, but we can only take so much drag. We're not going to make the thing invisible and say, wow, you know, it's virtually... And if we can make it roll better, so we'll see the move to tubeless. If we can see brakes such as these nice uh, dual race uh, disc brakes, they won't go a lot, lot, lot lighter. There's a point at which most bikes are probably light enough. It's probably, again... The athlete that needs to be lighter, the athlete that needs to be put on the bike properly. And, and some of the, I, I think, gains are perhaps not about people necessarily jumping on the same gain as their um, best friend who's just bought X or somebody they know, she's a good age group, but she's got this. Actually working out in their own situation, where's the low-hanging fruit that's going to give them the most back, which doesn't always want to be, you know what the answer to that question is? Five grand bike. In some cases, like, no, it isn't. It's about 90 quid with the tires. Or do you know what it is? It's a very simple bike fit. So I think we've got to watch that if we assume everybody on this like hierarchy of needs has all shot up to a certain point, some people are way off even some of the basics. And I think you, you, ha- you, ha- you do need either a coach or somebody that knows their... Knows their uh, knows their stuff to be able to really dissect what somebody's doing and saying, 
Well, if you want to do it properly, you know, you can't necessarily start totally from afresh. But do you know what? If I were you, I would change, you know, that particular aspect of your bike. Or I would, you know, I'd go back to making sure you don't get injured as much to so do more strength and conditioning. And, and not always think the newest thing is this brand new, you know, SRAM Red E-Tap or whatever. That might be negligible in somebody's race performance. We need to make sure that with all these improvements, it's relevant. And, and Mark's sort of right that at a certain point, you know, the significant investment is the only way that somebody can take their bike to the next level. Um, it's, it's kind of like, you know, at a point you think they're adding on micro bits yeah and i think you're right integration now i think is probably the key word so it will be everything so it will be everything like integration of your training onto i don't, I don't know onto your uh, nutrition yeah. which is then onto you on the bike yeah. uh, which is your equipment that works with you rather than against you i think this whole integration part is going to be the next it can't be the big leap because mm, it's mm. just we, we, we're, we're getting to the point now where everything that's trickling out is just going to that finer point of the arrow pretty yeah. much you know yeah. that, and that, 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 that arrow tip's not getting further away it's just kind of we're, we're being channeled into mm. into that tip and it's going to get smaller the incremental gains are going to get smaller and smaller but inevitably more and more expensive mm. um, but silly little things like power meter integration with um, pedal dynamics with uh, altitude as well you know so you being able to set your training around the, the way you pedal the way you way the power is put out you know the kind of training that you want I think that all will integrate soon so yeah. with electronic shift well, without it being so. too complicated because some people they've got you know they've got um, data overload and you get it and, and they're still not doing the basics right no, so if you don't do the basics it. right um, you know, numbers of times we talk to people about you know their the tires or the tire pressure, or we talk to them about their you know their, their training or how they're working towards an event, and I actually think there's some there's some very simple things that these dangly trinkets that get put out via PR by, companies, by people people in bike shops, by people in bike shops, yeah, yeah. Where are they? I'm looking around for them. <laughs> It distracts some people from look. If you do the basics right, you're 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 on your way. But if you jump up and try and buy something, and fundamentally somebody look at look at that person and go, yeah, they could have probably saved themselves, you know, five grand on you know the next three years food bill, and that would make them so much faster. And they've just gone and bought another wetsuit, bike, etc., etc. Not as much fun though, is it? No, probably not. But 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 it is. That's what I mean. It's the individual. Um, I I think I know which mark this is that sent that sent this in. And and I say this person's very good at just looking at what you know. What can we do? What is good habits and is already working and we stick in place and we don't muck it up. But so many go off at various tangents and it's almost like every new product is the latest sort of life boy being thrown out to save them and they'll grab hold of it and hold on for a while and maybe they'll be okay but it's actually if you're confident in what you do you gradually tweak things and you don't suddenly change things into a you know a, a completely if you like different setup i do think that that simplification is better than people overly analyzing stuff that they don't fully understand you're better to go to an expert that just says this is what you want at this and then don't don't argue the toss till they tell you otherwise but there are some that then want to 
overly analyze that when look if you can get 80 90 percent of the gains out of that you know bike position out of that um you know uh use of your swim time more effectively based on your travel and stuff like that you know lots of times there's just waste all the time and there's waste mentally anguishing over stuff that is really not worth it and then that means that they're not enjoying it because they're overthinking the stuff that really shouldn't be overthought. And meanwhile, along comes the latest press release from somebody about, you know, product X and they get they get overly attracted by it. And you could, you know, a listener out there could say, oh yeah, but you've just talked about beautiful. Yeah, but I've said in certain scenarios, when somebody needs high energy, that would be relevant. But it's not relevant for some people that are doing, you know, sprint distance racing and they can do it so quick they don't need to think about extra fuel to take on board. So I don't put every tool into everybody's toolbox. I think it's better to say, what's the relevance of all these things that come out? There's some great products that come out. Say, God, that's a really nice product. I don't need it. It looks nice. It does its job. Some products come out. They don't do their job, but they distract, they take money, and they also make people feel that they're improving, which when they race and don't see improvement, then gets frustration. Well, why am I not getting this? Why am I not getting that? I think we have to look at low hanging fruit and, and really simple low hanging fruit. Go for the stuff that you, you know you really will find works. And that takes a piece of paper, a real good look at yourself, and then somebody else is gonna look at it and say, no, no, you don't really need to do that. You're not, you know, you only get to the pool once a week and you could take five minutes off your Ironman just by focusing with a local coach and getting to open water and sorting out your wetsuit. And suddenly that person, for not a lot of money, gets far more than if they you know, go and buy another set of wheels that their last ones were brilliant anyway. And it's not to detract from people buying stuff from shops, it's to say, make sure you don't get distracted. Because well, yeah, if, those wheels, distract, yeah, yeah, if those wheels are good, but the other ones are just as good, you're gonna buy them and have exactly the same result but think, oh, what's going on there? And and I, and I would like to say, I would honestly always want somebody to buy something that works as opposed to buy something from Rota, from Scott, from yourselves. I wouldn't want them to buy something if it doesn't work because that's pointless. Because eventually people will go, oh, you just want to sell people's stuff for the shit out of it. No, I want people to get quicker. And if you buy the right tool that you need, you'll get quicker. And I think Mark sort of hit the nail on the head at a certain point. It can be so expensive. You stop, you kind of stop gaining anymore, but you're still spending still out. Spending. And, and also, we always, you bang on about the icing. Bang on? Bang on? Bang on, as, as, as I could graphically explain, about the icing on the cake. So if, if everything, you know, if it was shaped like a pyramid, your base of your pyramid is, have you got the basics for your training right? Yeah. You know, have you got the little things like decent tyres on there? You know, is your bike up to standard? Um, has your swimming, your running, you know, are you taking, you don't have to take it to the nth degree, but just at the basics, are you doing the basics correctly? Then, obviously, the pyramid goes to its pointy end, with the pointy end being, have you got uh, optimised helmet for your position? Is your uh, position, opt position, actually, I would put down on almost the base of the pyramid yeah. as being yeah. an essential thing to have, you know, and then slowly work up but it is true like you said the closer you get to that tip of the mm. icing of the mm. cake the tip of the pyramid yeah. the more expensive it does get yeah. Yeah. but for incremental gains only when you've got the basics you're doing the basics yeah. Yeah. right i think all so. sports are actually 
people that do it well make some of the complicated bits actually um, look so simple that you can forget that getting somebody to know what their um, perhaps weak points and potential injuries could come from or you know their, their bike fit has to be done right or their swim stroke really they have to understand how they themselves need to change their stroke if you if you don't get some of those things really right then everything else is just kind of it's, it's irrelevant you know the person with the bike who came in I mean, he had issues with handling, with a set of wheels, with his back, with breaking the position in the race, therefore he couldn't ride in it. So all the things that went wrong could be righted in one quite simple move. But not many times after you've done that through most of the easy stuff, do you get easy gains? So you can often get, if you if you analyze stuff from the low hanging fruit and start to get good gains, and I think about the base training stuff, oh yeah, I'm really getting quicker and quicker and it's working well. Yeah, you will get a lot, but it's not gonna come forever. But once you get the basics in place and you don't muck around with them, then you can worry about, you know, your, your fancy inner tubes or your, you know, your special goggles that are gonna make you see better, whatever. I, I think it's always, going back to the basics and you'd almost see that certainly in a bike position because of what it does to your efficiency run people that run or people that are triathletes or duathletes you know run consistency what things are going to make you injured therefore again is going to affect your economy all events you are trying to be economical yeah swim you know what's going to allow you to swim most economically so if you go from the point of view that's what you're trying to do you're not really trying to get faster because that's like a stage ahead of where most people are you're trying to make the most out of your economy which means that you're getting more speed for your effort which means you're not just thinking about fast, you're thinking about economy, which is a much better way of thinking about it, I think. Especially for the Ironman events mm. as well. So, I mean, comfort and efficiency have surely got to be the, the top kind of two, really. Yes. So, but but that's, that's a good question. I good think question, from Mark. a technology point of view, there's always going to be something new. You yeah. just You can't stop that. But is it just a take on something that you've kind of got already? Or is it is theoretically does it make your life easier? Does it make is it going to make you faster? Yeah. Is spending that extra three and a half thousand pound on something that doesn't have cables or is a smidge lighter? Is it going yeah. ultimately to make you yeah. to improve you as an athlete? Yeah. And it's not it's not to say that obviously people like to buy things and buy that's kit, their yeah. that's their you know their hobby and they spend the money. But if you said do you just want to spend money or get better? And said, well, I want to get better. Right, okay. So think about some of the money you're spending, maybe going in the wrong place. And you might be overemphasizing, you know, that this disc wheel or this, um, let's think of an example, this, um, you know, special set of classes that you're doing in the off season that you're putting a lot of onus into it because you've put so much, almost like, I'd say too much, too much of your um, plan is now hanging on, I really hope that X works or that, you know, the, um, the marketing was right and I'm going to get the most from that. Because if you get the flip side of the coin, which is people put money or effort in and they don't get anything back and actually feel hoodwinked or as though, oh, nothing goes my way, why don't I get the gains and other people do, they're then now on the negative Negative slope. mindset, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, which, which 
I would say that most of these things, they either work at the psychological level. Somebody buys something, they just feel good about their, you know, the fact they've got these nice running shoes and they work really well and they like the colour and they're springing off the floor, great. But if they buy something and they say, oh, it's the same model supposedly, but I'm now getting blisters on my feet. They, they, they feel like, you know, they've now created a problem, something that was working now isn't working, but it's actually now added a, a, a com an extra stress. An extra stress because now they've got a weight because the blisters are so bad they can't run. So they have to think about doing pool running and so forth. We, we could go round and round in circles trying to work out what is the best hierarchy needs but actually you've got to take a person and their own situation and for them to really look at it and go am i just obsessing about that new bike because i've seen you know i've seen uh you know peter sagan or or um you know one of the top you know female athletes riding a particular bike running in a particular shoe and thinking that must be that must be it no they're just good athletes you could give them lots of different shoes and bikes and they'll still be good but people I think obsessed with maybe it's the culture we live in it's got I want that well, do you want that or do you want something that you think that's going to give you back exactly you know yeah. confidence speed um, a sense that you're now you know a better athlete and I do think it's it's the real um it's the hard talk with yourself about what do I actually need to change? Because it might be you've got enough kit to do the next three years worth of racing for the most part. You need to keep on top of your training. You need to make sure you get your shoes updated. But most of all, you've got to think about you know, your diet and, and, and how you can manage your work better to get to bed you know, at least three nights a week early rather than always going to bed at 1am. You know, There's some stuff that doesn't sound very sexy. Get to bed early from time to time. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't sound as sexy as, do you know what, this wheel is going to make you the fastest thing on the block. And, and, I, and I do think it takes a person to actually accept that they've got these weaknesses about equipment to then realize they don't need to spend it on some stuff. Their thing is so close to what this best one would give them. What's the point? They could put more effort into perhaps their nutrition or their recovery or being able to relax in the off season and, and go at it next year because they feel like they've properly recharged. It was a good yeah. question. Actually. Brilliant that. question. That's Absolutely smart. brilliant. Uh, next one is hydration and zones a great podcast i always enjoy listening two different questions i have uh, which may be worthy of the podcast firstly you rate the aerodynamic advantages of a between the arms a bta hydration system over the disadvantage of adding more weight to the handlebars i'm interested in getting a between the arms setup but would have thought adding weight to a bike high up and over the front axle would be far from ideal do such systems make bike handling more difficult? I would have thought for most riding you'd want to add a substantial weight of water bottles as low as central as possible on, or in a triathlon does the location of weight not have such an effect? So let's go into that one first. So between the bars type systems you can get these quite big torpedo style things. You can get uh, cages that you put on yourself, many frames already sometimes have even the, the bottle bosses to put a bottle cage on. So we're on about putting something between the arms so that you can actually just reach, pop a, a bottle out, drink from it and locate it back into the bottle cage or just put your head down, drink from a straw and then lift your head up slightly. And certainly some of the big systems, Profile had one that was gigantic and it put so much weight on the front end that it was definitely something to handle. But 
I do think we we can sometimes have, and this came about with this recent bike test, which is why it's in my mind, that the person was sort of saying, oh, these wheels don't do this, this, and this. And their nose of the saddle was five centimeters ahead of their bottom bracket. So straight away, those wheels weren't gonna do anything properly because there was too much weight on yeah. the front of the bike. So you have to make sure that the person is on the bike fitted correctly. And often, perhaps worse still with clip-on bars that can start extending the length of the bike, people start moving their saddle forwards or trying to go all the way to the front of the bike, at which point the hydration system has nothing to do with it. It's that great weight sat behind it that's gonna be doing the problems. So I think, Quite a few systems can be put between the bars, but you have to think how important is that person's aerodynamics? You know, if they're on a really good bike, they are very, very quick. They're probably not going to put stuff on to slow them down because they, they probably fundamentally understand the aerodynamics. If you're a slower rider and you prefer to reach down in a conventional way, pick a bottle out of a drinks um, you know, container that's on the down tube, the few watts that that bottle adds on compared to the between the bars isn't really the critical worry yourself silly type you know place and again we're getting back to this what do you change between the bars can actually be for some people just simple to go oh that's easy i can grab a bottle slot it in and i don't have to think anymore but that's the difference you know if, if we take you would look at two things so yes the weight weight up high on a bike isn't ideal but then the aerodynamics of being in that position and not having to break position to be able to reach down to grab a bottle out of a cage. Yeah. If you drop a bottle out of the cage, you know, you then panic about it. Yeah. That bottle rolling about is more of a danger to obviously other people and to you. If it's between your hands, the weight is up higher, which again isn't ideal, but the straw in the mouth, whilst riding along in the position, nice and comfortable to me, I'd sacrifice the weight up a bit. High, to have the weight okay. up a bit high, to have that ease yeah. of being able to stop and then pour in, top it up, get going again, staying in the position, being able to look forward all the time instead of having to look down yeah. to grab the bottle with that fear that you could drop it, could drop it and then go and do it again with another bottle if you've got two bottles or a bottle behind. Mm. So I think between the arm kind of bottle for me and would 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 win it from yeah. my point of view. Yeah. Having that weight up a little bit higher, I don't think you would make no. You, it would make it's that much difference. It's definitely a massive amount of water, which some of them were really big. And now we've started to realise you don't need that much. The aid stations are so close. You're not having to try and take yourself for, you know, for, days. for, yeah, for, yeah, for <laughs> days and weeks just on, yeah. on the one plastic um, bottle at the front. The difference that people have in their fundamental position, if you have a really great bike and then people put the wrong thing on, you're like... It doesn't really go with your bike. So you see like uh, at, um, at, at Challenge Roth, so Sebastian Keenley, so he's got his plasma with the front bottle, but then I've got a straw with a magnet so that the straw sits next to that magnet and is like bent forwards. Yeah. And then as it's flicked off that magnet, it springs up, he can then drink from it. And then the moment he wants it, he can then push it back down and it's out of the way. Because of all the things on the bike, that round tube coming out of the bottle is the only round bit on that bike. The, the seat tube, the spokes, everything is made into aerodynamics. So yeah. the round tube sticking up is quite a lot of drag. And it certainly is if you're trying to you know, break seven hours 50 and win it. For some people, they'll just have happily have a straw and say, it's comfortable, I don't want to bend it down. And actually, they don't want to go into magnets. So again, we've got levels of... 
uh, integration. We've got levels of, of complexity. And if between the arms also means that your hands are up on the handlebars and you feel safer being able to look forwards with a bottle, look forwards, slot it back in, that can be an easier gain from the fact you don't have to learn, you know, when people say, oh, should I put it behind the, you know, the saddle, reach back, try and get it out. I tell you what, you're going to drop that in a race. It's going to hit the ground. Somebody's going to ride over it. There goes your energy drink and you're going to be in pieces. <gasps> I haven't got enough drink. I haven't got enough drink. Keep it simple. Often look at, again, is it relevant for you to think where does aero meet convenience practicalities. and practicalities and do you have to buy something really expensive to put on your bike that then adds sometimes those systems add quite a bit of weight and bulk they're not all as as simple as the bikes that start with a blueprint that integrates it and straight away it's all part of the bike and i do think for some if you keep it simple you're not going to create your own problems no no um he did have a, a second part, which I did say about. I've momentarily lost it. Uh, so that's the hydration component, and I think we can we can safely say uh, that's another mark. Actually, we can safely say the BTA, the between the arms. It for some people works. Um, I've taken quite a few people, and I have put them from a torpedo system back to a, a bottle with a cage, and they're like, "Oh, that's so much better. It's it's simpler. It's actually lighter if I weigh it." and it sits in between my arms and it, it goes back to aero bikes often are simple bikes. They're often not complicated. So part two of his, uh, his uh, question is, secondly, looking at heart rate zones, I know your golden three zone rule is based on maximum heart rate. However, many calculations I've seen refer to using resting heart rate to calculate your heart rate reserve and lactate threshold. Other zone calculations talk about running a hard 10k effort to work out your threshold. How does heart rate threshold fit into your zones? I presume this is at the top of zone two. Um, also, do you know... Uh, let's do that bit first before we go on to the next stage. I know exactly <clears throat> what you're going to say first. Don't consider resting heart rate. We don't do resting minus max. But that stuff has been totally blown out the water. Don't, don't, even, don't even mention resting heart rate and taking numbers from numbers and adding them back on again. No, you take your maximum heart rate and you use the percentages of that, okay? No system uh, that I've seen in the past, probably two decades, let alone one decade, um, is ever using resting heart rate. So keep it simple by using maximum. And just to say, it's not my golden three I zones. I you were going to say that as well. <laughs> but it's yeah. not. You know, it, there's so many out there that are um, that are using it as, as part of it. It's now, I think it's now pretty robust as a way in which training studies. I saw one recently uh, on cross-country skiers and on rowers, and they're using the same system. Some of 82% as opposed to 80% for the top of zone one, but it's there's... There's um, there's not there's not that much fundamental difference, but whereabouts is uh, is is threshold? I think again, people with threshold, are, are, I think they're getting distracted by one of the points on the way through zone two, as opposed to what they're trying to do. Because in racing, if you're racing at threshold, you might need to know you've got to hold a certain uh, power. You might know that. If it's a 70.3, you've got to hold X percent of, of watts for your 
bike leg not to affect your run. If you're climbing hills in the middle of a sporty, if you know you can go up to a certain point, but you'll be overcooking at another point. Very rarely does that totally solely come down to threshold. So threshold's been this thing that used to be the be all and end all, and less and less is it that important. Because your threshold, if we want to be really pedantic, is the, is the heart rate or the work rate that you will hold for 60 minutes, okay? There are very few events that people do for 60 minutes. So actually as a point, it might be a reference point to say, I've got to stay below threshold because it's too hard for me to do for an Ironman. Yeah, but then you're not even referring then to something that's relevant to that distance. So I do think that people are still, they know threshold, they've heard it, they think they understand it, but it's actually totally distracting. I cannot think of a, of a you know, it's almost like you're, you're, you're trying to get somewhere, but you're distracted by a signpost that's pointing to another location that's got nothing to do with where you're going. It's like, you don't need to know that that's where, you know, Camberley is, or that's the way to Loch Ness. If you're going to your, your destination, that's all you need to know about and I think threshold is a is a distraction it is near to the top of zone two but actually uh, if you look at how people even do a one-hour effort they would still tend to float higher in the latter stages and push out a bit people don't start at the same thing that they hold they would start and they would work out it's easier to be in a um, and almost like in an aerobic situation early on, but it feel easier, and then go into the red as you go into the latter stages. So actually you flip, a bit like in the 25 mile time trial, you start assuming it's a, a course that allows you to do it. You know, you start, you go up through and eventually are above threshold trying to cling on. Part two of part two. <laughs> also, do you notice much difference when comparing uh, an athlete when comparing on an athlete, your easy zone setup, these make more complicated. What is it? Also, do you notice much difference when comparing on an athlete your easy zone setup to these more complicated methods? Finally, your method implies not much changes on the zone bands other than a slight decrease with age, whereas the other calculations imply the zones could shift as you get fitter and work at them. Have you ever seen this? seen this in someone who's already on a decent fitness level above maybe one or two beats. Some people I've spoken to insist on regularly re-evaluating zones. However, I believe my zones would stay steady whilst my pace at a given heart rate would would simply improve. Exactly, Mark. People can re-evaluate zones, but I tell you what, in form, yes, you could hold a little bit more, but your max power isn't going up. Your threshold might be able to be sustained a little bit higher. But if somebody's training zones are changing, you're telling me their VO2 max is just going up and up because the percentage that they're holding for a given time is still roughly the same amount. So let's say you're going for an hour and you hold about, you know, say 88% of heart rate max. You might be able to get it to say 91. You can squeeze out a few more beats, a few more watts, but you don't really need to reevaluate your zones. That's your racing right there. If you were doing intervals and you were trying to bring form on, yes, if you found it was easier to do 290 watts for four minute efforts, you'd say, right, okay, if heart rate's starting to drop now, we can bump that up to 300, 305. But you haven't reevaluated all the zones. Your maximum heart rate is still there. Where zone two and zone three are, and where zone top of zone one is, stays the same. Actually, in the season, what the data would suggest is that actually athletes go lower into zone one because they're much fitter, which then leaves them 
the ability to push harder at the higher end stuff because it's now season relevant efforts that you're doing. So actually the difference between your easier and harder efforts actually spreads out greater. Yes, we can build on form. Most people would say, you know, from the beginning of the season in something like running or specific like time trialing, they could probably, yeah, they could take it up you know, maybe 20 watts compared to what they started off early on in the year, maybe 30. But that's less about their zones have changed, more about what they can tolerate and quite where the shift of lactate is moves. But very rarely, unless you're doing a specific distance that equates exactly to lactate movement, do you need to practice that? Because you're talking about triathlon, actually, even if you took just over a one hour event like the sprint triathlon. Well, the sprint triathlon now is draft legal, so that completely mucks up zones because you're actually, you know, you're trying to make other people do work and finish off the 5K at the end by the fact that other people have done the work for you. You've had to swim quite hard, but how hard can you ever swim and still come out of the water? You don't do a one hour triathlon and see how far you get and therefore you know exactly what effort you're doing. And if you're any greater distance, because you're talking about hydration and therefore um, longer distance events, well, threshold doesn't come into it at all. So I do, I do think there's there's a lot of complications because there's so many zones. And actually, you're right. Um, other people might insist on regularly training their zones. I think that's because they don't understand what they're doing. I like the word re uh, revaluating. Yeah, revaluating, which, which means retesting. Yeah, but surely if you then want to retest just to see if you have increased or decreased, all you're doing is adding to that fatigue. You're just yeah. adding to extra yeah. fatigue yeah. to be able to just see, oh yeah, I've gained another two watts. That two well, you've million. seen it. You've seen people multiple tested here that yeah. I've tested multiple times. We've come out with the same numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Now, unless somebody was ill, perhaps they were on a long rehab and um, I wouldn't probably test them early on anyway, to be honest. It's pointless testing somebody when you know they're down. That to me is a waste of time. Wait till they're fit and then they're ready. Yeah. But you don't see people say, oh, do you know what? I've hit the training now, look, I've just gone up. And I, I went back and tried to retest, just on my own, retest a max again. And I got almost to, I got within about 20 watts of some of my best ever data. It was really hard on your own without somebody shouting at you. But what I kind of thought was, do you know what? It's kind of, it's back to the same thing. And every time you try and go back there, it's not going to go ever upwards. It could be different if you're talking about you know, a 16-year-old youngster to a 20 to a 24. I'll take it that could go up due to age and hormones and stuff. But most people that listen to this podcast are over the other side of 30. Okay, so hormones and your capacities have already been set. Okay, sorry to say it. Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> They've been, that's it. I've okay. delivered it. I've delivered it. Don't blame me. But... To keep going back and reevaluating threshold, I want to know what they're going to get from that. Yeah. Because actually, the best data you get is from events or from quality sessions. Not really a specific test. That once you've got the zones, that's it. What you can do in those zones will change. But in zone one, you actually almost get lazier and better at keeping the heart rate down, though your actual speed is fine. But your top end, yes, you start to work at progressively harder work. And I and I think that. Your pace at a given level improves. That's how you get better. You don't put out more and more and more and more beats. You know, you don't go back and say, oh, I've done this, I'll do that. You might get a few more beats due to heat. You might find, you know, if you were climbing up a hill out the saddle on a bike and you were mountain biking and up to now you've done road biking, but you're engaging different muscles, you might get, you know, new, slightly higher heart rates. 
but you're not training yourself to do a greater and greater and greater percentage. I think that's where some people are going, well, they think they're going to be the only one to go, well, do you know what? I'll just go harder. It's like everyone already is. And if you realize how hard you're going in, you know, 5K, a, a time trial, a short triathlon, um, I think you realize you already are near your limit. It's just how much of your form have you got? And if you haven't got form, well, it isn't just about going back and saying, I'm just going to push harder. It, form is only on top of, it's only the icing. So it's like all the time it takes to build a cake, build a cake, yeah, let's call it build a cake, put it in the oven, cook it. The icing is but a tiny bit afterwards, yeah? And that's what that speed work type stuff is. It adds a little bit on. And I think if you're not quick enough, it's often a case of going back and rebuilding better base and strength, not sort of thinking, I'm going to push my threshold up now. It's like, that's not where it's going to come from. And like you said, you know, the, the figures can, the figures can vary by a very, very small amount. But like you said, that's yes. form. Yes. You know, through the season. That, that um, I didn't, I didn't even realise this. Our last question was, was actually called, uh, sorry, second to last question. I've got two questions. The fourth question, outside of the star letter question, that is, um, is about long distance peer pressure. But the last one's called low hanging fruit. Hey. There you go. So, question four, and thanks for that uh, question, Mark. That, that was good. That, I, I, I kind of, I like, I like the questions that come in that question the overall uh, concept. Kind of concept. 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 Oh, I was going to say ethos, but yeah, concept. <laughs> um, ethos. I like, I like other people's view because what it does is it forces kind of us to almost substantiate yeah. what it is. Yeah, 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 yeah and, absolutely. But like you said, there's nothing, there's nothing set. It's not Joe's zones. You know, Joe hasn't turned around and gone, yeah, these are my zones. This is what I've worked out. Years you ago, know? years ago, I just, I went very much with, well, I had two completely different things. I had the early Phil Maffetone stuff that was okay. saying 180 minus your age. And then meanwhile, there was the early British cycling stuff that because of where I was at... Uh, 180 Bishop, minus your age? 180 minus your age for base training. Yeah. Oh, for, for yeah. Base, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and everything else above, you didn't do a lot of it. You built the base and did a tiny bit of speed. Yeah. And the speed you based around just above or at race pace, just enough to get used to the movement pattern. But most of it, again, was down to building the base. And the other was the British cycling that was starting to do zones. I think it was five. And there was a lot of emphasis on what we'd call very upper zone one, almost into zone two. So those are quite differing. And I was like having two completely different models and actually luckily picked the one that was more towards base, which I think retrospectively the research has shown, ah, do you know what? You might have five zones and you could train in these zones, but the one that's coming back as the most predominant zone is zone one, which in, on your garments would be one, two and three combined. So let's not get people too confused. But Early on, there were zone systems, but it was that simplicity of, you know, 180 minus your age. It's like, try that. Cool, that works. And you've still got scope for doing hard work, but that wasn't really what it was. You know, it wasn't trying to complicate ever higher up. And that was probably different that I wasn't a, a sprinter. I didn't need to practice high intensity, um, you know, breaks with pace and things like that. So you can see the reason why there's other subdivisions, but even those tend to be, quite simple lots of the pro stuff is um certain interval blocks but across loads of different sports it's just a block of work with a bit of recovery with another block of work it's not there's not any secret sessions there might be things where they've worked out a percentage works better for some individuals but i, I do think that the the whole zones thing can be a little bit overcomplicated. long distance peer pressure 
who knows this one then? Uh, right, this is from Neil Parker of Kingswood Triathlon Club in Bristol. He says, how do you know or when should you decide if all, if at all, without peer pressure from other teammates or friends, to step up from Olympic and middle distance triathlons and that you're reasonably competitive at, within your own age group, to a full-blown Ironman long distance triathlon that not only will take more hours each week to train, cost more money to enter, take more out of you, um, so you're not able to compete as many um, as many times. Um, and, and as much as each Adonis and also find out that um, you're much further down the pecking order when you finish. Sorry, there's a bit that doesn't quite make sense there. But so yeah, it's this. Do I suppose he said, do you really have to step up to do Ironman? I know some people that are very good at doing their triathlons. They've done you know, etapes de tours. They're quite good at half Ironmans. Uh, quite good at half marathons. Like to do 10k's. They don't want to go anywhere near an Ironman, and yet they are a very very solid athlete. And I think within certain I know there's certain pockets, I'm well aware of that, because I sometimes get people that want me to coach them, because within the pocket of what they're, um, if you like, what they're under in terms of peer pressure or in terms of knowledge is wrong, and they don't know they don't know how to get themselves out of it. So I understand that this this occurs, but I think you can go all the way all the way back to the fundamental. Ask yourself in the you know in the in the cold light a day or in the middle of a you know winter ride on your own or whenever you are why the hell am I doing this what, what, is this, <laughs> what is this going to do for me is this going to help me or you know make make me a worse person to be around I I see triathlon which is why I wouldn't say I'm a triathlete I can do sprint triathlons I can do time trials I've done sporties I've had some years where I focused on duathlon I started off as a runner you know I, I've always tried to do different things but I've always thought of it as a vehicle to find out about yourself. And it helps for me to learn as a coach to do different things because you've got to understand what they're all about. But I think if there is a peer pressure, somebody's got to ask themselves, why do I think that other person's opinion is important to me anyway? Because if I'm doing it for my reasons, who gives a monkeys what other people think about it? And I always see it as proof of concept of, you know, it's, it's like a challenge. We're lucky in the, you know, we've got these first world issues where, you know, we've got to worry about should we do an event or not, not whether we're getting food or water or, or anything else. And sometimes, just sometimes, you have to think, I could do something else, but I'm doing this because. And be able to, you know, I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to logically make it out that it will stand up to some kind of, you know, some kind of analysis by somebody who's a theologian who can say, oh, well, you should be doing this, this, this. Just for you, it means something. And if you're in a peer group and and there is a lot of pressure for you to do it, you still have to do it because when you look around you, it is going to fit. Because for a lot of people, Iron Man doesn't fit. They can't do the time. It just because you've done an Ironman or haven't done an Ironman, that doesn't mean you're a good, bad or indifferent human being. There's plenty of people who've never done an Ironman, but they are a wonderful human being. They've done much things in life that have been positive. And actually, they're not built for or even want to go anywhere near it. And I think maybe sometimes these pockets of peer pressure only consider somebody's ability to do Ironman. And you think, what a silly way to even justify what you do. And I think if you take the peer pressure out of it, if, if the question is, when do you think an athlete should be ready for an Ironman? 
is is that a decision that a coach can make? As in, if they're going from sprint, middle distance triathlon up to Ironman, is that, is that a decision you could make? Or is it a decision that the person has to make? As in, this is a challenge. I know it's going to be a challenge. I can afford to do it. I can, uh, I can give you the time. Then I think that kind of answers it, doesn't it? Almost. Yeah. But... I think the question is: is taking peer pressure aside? Yeah. When when, when does when does a often people have them? never done enough training. I've done. I've said to people, do it, do it. Don't don't think about it. Do it. And they've never come back and said that was a wrong course. Shouldn't have done it. I would always say to somebody, mm, maybe that one isn't the one to do. But there's lots of times when people are always waiting to be like they're going to train to be able to be good at it. And it's like, well, until you do it, you don't even know what it's like. So yeah. don't, you know, particularly Ironman or some of these, you know, very long ultras, super long sporties, you know, multiple day sporties, until you even get yourself into it, you can't really comprehend what it is. So sometimes you say to people, well, no, don't spend all your money going to somewhere that you uh, really are putting all your eggs in one basket. Start with a lower key one. See if you just like the concept and like doing it. And... Why you do it will become apparent, you know, afterwards. Some people get huge amounts of, um, I would say, self-confidence, a sense that they can control their training and racing. The rest of their life is down to, you know, their line manager or people around them to tell them what they're doing for eight or ten hours a day. So actually their training is something they control. And if they can get good positive vibes out of completing an Ironman every couple of years, actually that does them a huge amount of good. But whether you need to do it against somebody else to prove that you know they've uh, they've got less minerals than you, I I just I think no. Do you know what? Because um, it's uh, it's a funny way that people have started to categorise whether they're on a pecking order. Because to be honest, we can stick them in a lab and stick them on a bike or on a treadmill. We can work out you know people's fundamental standard genetic ability. But there's a lot of people that you know punch above their weight because they're smart with their nutrition and their kit and they're they're good at not overtraining and they leave the best till race day and stuff and other people that you know they're supposedly you know, supposedly they're an iron man and they never seem to do it but they're always injured and so you know what what are you doing it for and i think if you can be ready to do a half you'll be getting through a full distance it will take a, a you know it'll take an additional up in your training but you've got the concept and you've certainly got the idea that I think you can test yourself, but it's do you want to? And and is it is it going to be something that then you have to keep going back to to keep doing to kind of you know scratch an itch that you've got that's never going to be scratched? And within pockets of of groups, you can literally get groups that are just all about X Iron Man, just one particular Iron Man, and and their whole. Uh, what would you call it? The whole subculture is about that Iron Man, and yet maybe they should test themselves on things that are slightly different, or that aren't that aren't just saying who's good at this, this, and this. Because somebody's athleticism, a lot of it was given to them before they even knew what they were doing. So you can't make out that just because you're good at athletics is all down to your, you know, your amazing kind of like effort and hard work a lot of it was already there before you knew and sometimes people are lucky sometimes people are unlucky sometimes people don't actually want to push themselves but they do want to experience completely different things but you know they do swim run events they'll do um 
they'll do perhaps you know, Land's End John O'Groats for the sheer hell of seeing what it's like to do it. But they wouldn't want to enter into an Ironman to see where the pecking order is because they're like, nah, that's not why I do it. I, th- I think with with the peer pressure thing also, if you are doing it, if you are doing it with a group of people, yeah, I think that makes, it does make it easier because you can all see each other's improvements. Yeah. Um, you know, you can share the cost of things. You can share the load of training as well. It's nice. You can share it. the love. You can share the love. You can, you can kind of go out with, with people and do the long ride rather than go out on your own and yeah. just bash on the pedals. But I think mentally you have to want to do it either because it's a challenge to you mm. or the, the, the crux of the matter for, for a lot of people is can you afford the time yeah, it's not the money yeah, yeah. can you afford the time can you afford to dedicate you have to dedicate that time there's no we always say it there's no blagging you no. can't blag your way through an Ironman you know you've got to do the training so if you can afford the time to do it and obviously the cost um, then yeah you'll be able to well, you can do anything you can do anything put your mind mm. to it but I just think if you are kidding yourself saying, well, I'm struggling at the minute and I'm doing eight hour weeks, you know, you're going to be clearing 14 hours sometimes, you know, if you can't afford that time, then... Then, no, yeah, you're, no, going to, you're going to be... And, and then it all starts to go pear-shaped because it's then eating in to a lot of your your other facets of who you are. You cannot be defined unless your name's, you know... Um, Keenley or fill in all the other names that follow after that person that actually it is how they're defined because it's what they do as their job and it's what they'll be known as and the fundamentally they found the good thing that they're um, the, the, the thing that they're good at and, and they do it as a job that's that's fine but for other people to to almost make out that um, the um, the way they're going to be defined is by how many Ironmans they've done or, or how fast they've gone it's like that's Sorry, I, I don't. I don't get that bit. I'm, and I'm a coach, but I still don't get it because I think you don't need to. You've got other facets in your life that you you could be still able to do an Ironman, but other things you could make a lot bigger difference to the planet than whether or not you can get round in you know under nine or under twelve or under fifteen or just get round. It's 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 not it's not as important as as some people think. And if the peer pressure is such that you're going to be pressurising to doing something you perhaps don't want to do well then you've really got to question it because it's not even really something that's on your radar but it's on other people's and you're taking their opinion to be important to you fair enough fair 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 point so choose what you like to do so final question and then we're going to be wrapping it up low hanging fruit this is from James I'm going to say McKeag I reckon McKeag yeah so he says, hi, John Crocker. Sorry, accidentally sent this email before it was finished. Um, so he then sends it again. A long time follower of the podcast, keen athlete, but no real proof of ability. 11.59 Ironman, 3.40 marathon, uh, with nine, nine attempts at the marathon, actually. Couple of questions. A, is the ethos behind 80% in zone one to teach the body to cope with the volume, consistency of training to make an adaptation or progress? Um, I've had issues with Achilles, etc. as soon as my pace or distances start to progress. And secondly, um, I sit very naturally at 6 foot 3, 85 kilos. As such, I realise I'm never going to climb like a Froome or run like a Kipchoge. My run PB seem fairly resistant to change, but since taking up cycling properly, particularly since January 
this year. I've seen my FTP jump to 280, as that's 3.4 watts a kilo. As a larger guy, I guess I'm somewhat reluctant to drop serious cash on top-end components, carbon or aero gear. What would you say are the easiest gains, low-hanging fruit for the average athlete? Or is the obvious answer, I'm avoiding eight to 10 hours a week <laughs> yeah. of intensity? We'd love to hear back from you, James McKeogh. So first part, um, is the ethos behind 80-20 to teach body to cope with volume? Yeah, most of all, it's, it's not so much volume, it's the consistency of economical movement patterns. So you go out and because you're relaxed and you're moving along relaxed, your body learns how to move relaxed. And you see that with, you know, you watch elite athletes do base training, they look incredibly relaxed and taking it easy. And then you realize the level that they're working at, they're like, wow, they're working at that level, but they look so relaxed. And you know, they can easily go up four more gears and start to work a bit harder, but they spend a lot of time being at relatively low intensities. So yes, you learn that movement pattern, you can reproduce it, you therefore get better at it. If you can do one session and only do it once before you need two weeks off, well, that isn't actually gonna cause an adaptation. It's gonna cause a stress and then need a huge amount of um, latency afterwards before your body gets back to doing it. So yeah, partly it is that I suppose, yeah, it's consistency and volume because ultimately when you look at endurance athletes, for most sports, you're, you're talking, often they talk about, you know, uh, this cross-country skier where the data's online. You know, she started off at about 600 hours and built up to just over 1,000 hours. A week. <laughs> <laughs> a week, yeah. Is that many hours in a week? Um, per year over, you know, a, a, a big sort of 12, 15-year career. So the body gets used to big volume and... That seems to be the trick. The trick is there's a lot of stuff done regularly. Um, whilst the elites go looking for the last icing on the cake with intervals, the majority of what they do is not intervals. The majority is, um, is, is steady. So I do think the principle is you just got to get used to enjoying it and doing quite a lot of it because there isn't a quick way to do it. So consistency and with consistency I think comes enjoyment because people do get quicker you've got to be doing an awful lot wrong in your life if you do a lot of training in zone one but you're still not getting quicker I mean perhaps you have got maybe far too many calories going in maybe your life is so stressful that um, you never really get full uh, sleep recovery you have too much stress at which point you then got to think all those other factors, which is often with clients trying to get the other factors to calm down, I'll say, well, if they won't calm down, let's be very, very careful that keeping you healthy, keeping you weight managed and keeping you able to enjoy your training is one way you can offset mentally some of that stress. But if somebody's got a really stressful like life and it's a bit of a big hitter the last thing you do is say oh yes and on top of that you're going to be an amazing athlete because we're going to have all these hours it doesn't fit you have to sometimes negotiate how much you can see improvement and you can see improvement but they also know that and, and I'll hear people say to me yeah but I know I'm not a pro athlete anyway which is lovely to hear because there's too many that are trying to be like a pro athlete and they're not and and it's just putting stress on them to try and do everything to get better. Instead of saying, look, just enjoy it. Look for improvement. We all want improvement. But there's a point where you can quite happily say that's probably it. And I'm doing quite a bit, but I'm not, I'm not going to start you know, 
cutting my hours down or start you know looking to spend even more on this this and this so i do i do think that the zone one works because you're consistent and if you're consistent and you enjoy it do you know what you're going to get a lot from that which people don't measure enjoyment in training but if i see people saying it's tired i'm not really enjoying this not really doing this right what's going on then because i do not want people thinking they've got to endure stuff that just they hate they're not really into but oh they figure that they might just about get better you've got to be you've got to be loving it and if you're not then you've got a question well what's going to be the worth at the end of this process if you're not loving it that's it yeah um at six or three eighty five kilos i think one thing i say is yes sir what do you want james i'll get it for you <laughs> he's a big lad um and so therefore you might find you're naturally adept at biking might be therefore able to produce um you know solid uh, solid numbers um and yeah the kind of you know getting the getting the expensive stuff when you're thinking you're going to get a lot back i think he's kind of answered his own question that about you know or am i obviously avoiding the eight to ten hours a week of, in, of intensity it's not of intensity it's, it's of low intensity it's just you know are you avo- are you avoiding eight to ten hours you don't say how many you do but let's say you're doing you know four to six instead of eight to ten perhaps you sometimes have a, a great week and you get you know a nine hour week and say wow that's the best i've done but i only normally do six i think people have to stop this idea that once they set themselves a number they'll always do it you know some weeks you have a great week and everything's going your way and other weeks everything just doesn't and you have three days where you cannot do anything and it's the ones that always have to make time that i think do you know what they're making time by cutting something out which is scary because it's not you know if you if your name's cavendish you've got to make the time for your training because that's your job but if you have to start scrimping on dropping a meeting or telling the kids they can't really go swimming because you're trying to get a sneaky extra session i think you know it's losing losing the plot and i think um, maybe James you know sometimes certainly with larger riders you do have to look at we'll go back to it I'm going to talk about tyres oh no they no, make, make sense because he's big he's making more rolling resistance so don't scrimp yes. on those yeah. but also you know if you're 6'3 and you're 85 and you're quite happy at that you know do you really want to endure going through the hardship of trying to get weight down get down to 79.9 and everyone say oh my lord you look really ill are you okay you feel dreadful you feel dreadful (laughs) you've hit 79 kilos and you can barely even drag yourself around any sessions i I think most people that are built that land in sport they don't take a six foot three eighty five kilogram um athlete that's untrained and make them suddenly a tour de france okay when bradley wiggins was on the track and he was a lot heavier and he was still six feet i think he was six three wasn't he he's, he's a tall so, lad yeah. yeah you know but but he was built you know he was still built as an athlete and they trimmed it down trimmed it down trimmed it down because of how much training he was doing so you know eight to ten hours that that might be in you know that might be two days training you know two five-hour rides on very little to strip the body down and lose weight like mad have limited calories that he's allowed to eat for the rest of the day and spend months on just, you know, seeing that weight go down and their obsession with getting better is such that they'll endure that and they'll see the weight come down and next minute have huge watts per kilo. But that isn't most people's, that isn't most people's um, kind of like uh, uh, real aim to put themselves through that sort of purgatory. There are some, but it's very rare. And I think use... You know, use aero because aero again, being a big lad, you don't want flappy gear. You want tight, you know, tight tops. You you can still benefit from you know a, 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 when you next buy yourself you know really good um, 
aero helmet with with uh, the MIP system inside of it. Buy one that really you know, fits well, feels good, because you can still treat yourself. It's not like people have to say, well, I'm not really, you know, got enough watts, so I'm not really going fast enough that I, I, I don't really deserve bits. I think people should treat themselves, but not overly um, suggest it's going to make so much difference. And and enjoy it. You know, if you're, if you're getting improvements on your zone one, uh, you understand that you can't be a Kipchoge, um, you, you can't necessarily go under 80 kilos, but you can still enjoy what you do and you'll be limited as to how fast you can run. You've still done an Ironman, it's like, good on you. You know, most people on the planet, most people wherever you work or within, you know, your family or, or anybody that you know, you know, if you say in a room who's done an Ironman, you might get one person put their hand up and go, oh, I didn't know they did one. And everyone else goes, what's an Ironman? Oh, is that what I've seen on telly? Okay, if you go to a triathlon club and say who's done an Ironman, loads of people put their hands up, but that's a bit obvious. And I think people can get immersed in thinking everyone's doing a lot of stuff that is really, um, I guess it's really um, big in their eyes, but actually the other 7 billion people, it's, it's irrelevant. And, and don't put yourself down because you haven't done your mate's time of 9.59 or you can't quite do stuff. I think understand how you train, enjoy it like mad and don't make your own pitfalls. Three years time, you might come back and go, oh, I've really been enjoying it and I've found my happy medium. I love this. This, this really works for me. You know, I'm much better on sporties because the running bit in triathlons wasn't working for me. Don't this is never an advert to make people do triathlons. It's like multi-sport, as I said, do the things you like doing and, and enjoy the, the prospect that it's, it's fun. It's not about, you know, everyone's got to be a winner. It's just everyone's got to have a crack. We, we enjoy what we do, but we don't kind of, I don't know, you don't beat yourself up about what you haven't done. And you certainly can see that there's a fair few people that give you a real reference point to think, blimey, I hope I'm never like that because it's it's taking it out of context. It is our hobby. Okay, it is something that I do as a job to improve people, but that isn't about making everybody win. And when somebody says to me, oh, I wonder if I'm a, uh, I don't want to win, it's like, that's not even an option, okay? Yeah. Unless, yeah. unless unless you've really been doing something really wrong, that's not even an option. So don't even put the pressure on that, oh, I don't want to win my age group. You're probably not going to anyway. Yeah. So, Let's... you know, so so don't don't, <laughs> don't put that as a, as a pressure to, to, um, to, to enjoy something that's a tiny weeny part of who you are and what you are. And, and I think also with that for, for easy gains on the bike, instead of like you were saying, dropping a massive amount of cash, then things like GP four thousands, you know, as far as tire option for the um, uh, for the wheels, uh, so GP four thousand made by Continental, um, and like Joe said, you're you're a big biggish chap, so being as aero as possible uh, without compromising power output. Um, and you know the FTP thing as well. It's it's nice that you've invested into training properly by yeah, buying a power yeah, meter. Yeah, so that goes yeah. to show that your, um, you know your priorities are are going in the right direction. Yeah, you know you thought the most essential thing I feel yeah. is to make you a better uh, athlete as far as training properly and getting the zone. But, but don't don't so. don't don't overanalyze it and enjoy it. And I tell you what these. 
I know we've we've missed a, a month sort of, and uh, these past few months have been a bit quiet. But don't worry, we've been trying to sit down and, and do this podcast. But these have been brilliant questions, and it, it's really nice to have people sending in their you know their stuff. We could we can make stuff up from you know, dear John. Oh yeah, it's another one from dear John type thing. You know, we're not called John. Um, we really appreciate. The, the questions that come in appreciate the um, you know the reviews and so forth um, keep your, your your questions coming in we always uh, like to have about five in the can ready to ready to uh, go for each month uh, you can do that via the Twitter feed at coach Joe beer the um, website www.coachjoebeer.com you can also go through uh, South Fork racing is it at South Fork racing yes yes at South Fork racing so thank you for those questions we will be putting this podcast out and then about three weeks later there'll be uh, another podcast keep the reviews coming the comments on the uh, itunes page you probably listen to it also through other um, podcast delivery systems there's loads of them it pops they up available. everywhere they are available yes other other flavors are available um Instagrams for the um, the, the the sneaky pe- pictures peaks of uh, of things that are uh, coming or just being tested. Uh, otherwise, I think it's thank you very much for listening, and uh, we apologise for the slight delay since last time. Remember, train smart and keep dancing. No, no that's not no, it. No, no, no. And have fun. That's the one. 